Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Paracleo. Paracleo exists for the edification and encouragement of the church through a meaningful and biblically-based dialogue on the application of the gospel to every sphere of our lives, especially those pertaining to relevant issues that GOCers and Christian college students face. Today is June 1st, 2021, and my name is John Liang. My name is Matt Jang, and yeah, we're excited um, to be releasing our first official episode um, today. And from now on, each episode is going to be a biblically-based dialogue um, with a third person, with a guest that we'll have. Um, and yeah, today we're um, going to be announcing our special guest, introducing him soon. But before that, we just want to reiterate on the purpose of our podcast, Falling from the Mission Statement. We do want to um, paracaleo you guys. I don't know, John, if you could pronounce that for us. Uh, paracaleo. Oh, yes. yes. No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> paracaleo. Yeah, just the, <laughs> the Greek, man. Um, but yeah, literally to call near. And so we want to continue to encourage you guys. Thank you guys for um, we've talked to some of you guys to get good feedback um, from our intro episode and um, to be able to to work towards um, just making a better episode each time. And yeah, I want to exhort, uh, whether it's exhort or comfort or encourage, um, really just put into application Romans um, 12, 1 to 2, like we talked about um, last episode. And yeah, the idea there just to um, urge, implore um, all of us, all of us Christians to offer up our bodies as um, a living sacrifice, pleasing to God, and in that to apply the gospel to every sphere of our lives. Um, but yeah, without further ado, John, would you like to introduce uh, who we have on the podcast today? Yes. So today I am pleased to announce that we have our amazing guest, our very yes. own beloved shepherd, Matt Ng. Hey, so guys. welcome. Hey, thanks for having me. Hello. Dude, John, you you nailed that Greek pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks so much. I yeah, agree. You did I've a good been practicing. I've been practicing. That was good. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, yeah, how are you doing today, man? Doing well, good. Do? Yeah, doing good, guys. Thanks. Um, today's been a good day. Kind of nice, relaxed day. Worked a little from home. Um, working on some Titus. Uh, it's just good to be in God's Word. And some good family time. So, uh, and now cookies here in the afternoon. Uh, so, yes. you can't go wrong. Those cookies are really good. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, so what are, what are you up to nowadays? And, uh, like, what, what do you do? What, what usually takes up your time during the day? Yeah, I, I work full-time for our church, so I work full-time for, for Grace Church. Um, uh, I tell people that I have the best job in the world. Uh, it's coffee and college ministry. So yes. um, I work... Uh, two run, C's. Yeah, easy. Two C's <laughs> and some of the best things uh, on the planet, man. Um, yeah, I run Steeple House, and then I also work with, with Austin and Crossroads. So uh, love it. I have the best job in the world. Yeah, yeah, I mean, we really appreciate you um, yeah, being our, our shepherd in GOC. And um, knowing that you are, you have been a GOC yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your own experience going through GOC. Yeah, it's funny. I, th I think most people know that. But yeah, I was a student at GOC, a mm -hmm. uh, student at UCLA in GOC. Um, and uh, my wife and I, we've been here for a long time. And we came here in 2007. Uh, graduated in 2011, and it was some of the best years of my life. It was a ton of fun, a lot of really good food. I think at that point, I think it still might be, but UCLA was, you know, top 10 in the nation in in food. Mm. I don't know what it's, if there's an award or what, how they do that, but it was, you know, best best uh, best food for universities. 
I think it was number one at one point. Yeah, I think uh, like now we're just number career. one actually. So Is yeah, it just straight at number one now? Just, okay, it's settled. Yeah. yeah. Shout out to Feast. Okay. Shout out to V Play. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's a lot healthier now too than it used to be. Mm. So um better and healthier now, I guess. Um huh. but yeah, a lot of good a lot of good food, a lot of good times. Um just memories and relationships and convictions that sort of last you a lifetime. So mm. a great experience with GOC. Um our shepherd back then was uh Justin McKitterick. Their college pastor was Rick Holland. So the kind of eras that you you hear about um, mm-hmm. from days past, but really yeah. everyone you interact with now, a lot of people at Grace or a lot of people on our staff, those men and even those eras of ministry were, and even still are, formative for a lot of us. So just grateful for those those four years um, at UCLA and in GOC. Yeah, I mean, like, definitely, even the past two years for me have been, like, so formative for myself, Mm, like, just learning tons of stuff, and, like, not only, like, through sermons, but even in people's examples. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I know for you, like, just being here for so long, you've probably grown in so many ways that you never experienced, or Mm. expected. Mm. Um, By God's grace, yeah. Yeah, by God's grace, and, like, there might be so many things you could talk about, but I guess, like, what are a few things that come to mind when you think about, okay, like, how did I grow, how did I change um, since being in GOC, like what were the things that you learned? Yeah, there's a lot there. You're right. Um, the first thing I think of that the Lord's really, I think, taught me over and over and grown me in and is still teaching me and growing me in is uh, it's like most young guys, they come to college and they learn a lot about humility. Dude. You just, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. you just, it's, it's exercise after exercise situation after situation, relationship after relationship, where the Lord is just teaching um, us young men how to uh, look at ourselves in light of our Savior and not in light of who we think we are making ourselves or what we are doing or what we're accomplishing. Um, Since young people, it's just such a temptation to have pride in what we do. And while God is growing us in our abilities, in in our thinking, in, in our living, um, ultimately we need to understand it's all of him, uh, not of us. So, um, so I think that was the big, one of the biggest things that I learned in, in college. I know it sounds maybe a little cliche, but, uh, truly and, and very much so, um, he's still doing that work in my life. I think the other thing that relates a lot to that, but that was specifically something that I learned in, in college and, um, the, those years is how to love and serve other people. So it's one thing to be humble in the sense of you understanding yourself before the Lord. And I think that is important in and of itself. But then to let that come out from your heart, like what you believe, and then to sort of be manifested in your words and in your actions and in how you serve, um, it truly has to start to be something where you are seeking the best of others you're seeking to present others mature in Christ. Um, and so th- those lessons of ministry, I think early on where, you know, you're serving in a ministry on a ministry team or you're uh, evangelizing on the campus and it's not, it's imperfect. It's not maybe what you had set out to do or to be. And it's maybe not the way you envisioned, but the Lord shows you his grace and shows you how to start to love and serve others in a way that's maybe imperfect, but that is, so reflective of what um, what you're learning and and of the gospel. So 
So I think those are some things that that I learned in in college, and I'm just so grateful for those years because I, I would not be the the man I am today if the Lord hadn't brought me through those specific situations in this ministry and now to be able to still be here serving is just a huge blessing for us so dude yeah that's yeah. that's awesome yeah I think just hearing you talk just reminds me of um yeah just thinking about like humility and and I think the connection of that to to love because sometimes I just think about like mm. like love and humility are really the same thing yeah and like love is really kind of contextualized in scripture with mm-hmm. with relationships and um, just things like that and I think that's that's really helpful um, but just curious, like, I mean, what, what ministry teams, like, practically were you involved in? Yeah, that's a good yeah. question. So I was involved in um, in music team um, all the way through my college years. Um, I also was involved in a team that has morphed and been uh, uh, has been put away for some time. Mm. We can always call it back. It was called Skits and Activities Team. Okay, what? I actually um, heard about this. I've never heard of this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a thing. And was it called I'm, Sad yeah, Team? It was called Sad Team. Ah, what? Okay, okay. Kind of, you know, ironically, because we brought the joy for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you you know, we do skits. We we run games. Um, you know, we do the, we do like the, the Lifehouse um, song skit for, you know, our outreach event. We do all the upfront stuff, like other than announcements and preaching and music like we do kind of the the in-between stuff so um brought the tried to at least bring the fun so i was involved in that for some time uh it's fun yeah for sure um and then like you know like most other good and godly geocers you know at some point i was involved with care team and uh you know those kinds of yeah those kinds of welcome follow-up you know those kinds of teams for sure so uh but ministry teams are an awesome you know, a way that GOCs can get involved. I think it's awesome that we have it so structured. It's helpful to, to be able to know, to kind of have buckets to know like where you can serve and, and just sort of have it organized that way. So it hasn't been always, hasn't always been that way. And so I'm just so glad that we have that kind of structure um, for our ministry. Yeah. I just remember as a freshman, just like seeing all these ministry teams start, ministry teams starting to like open up and like yeah. just being yeah. flooded with like, Oh, should I check this out? Should I check that out? Like, how do I choose? But yeah, it's sure. it's cool to hear that. Like, even when you're in GOC, like there are still like so many different ministry teams that you can get involved in. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. But yeah, I guess like now that you've kind of been through GOC for all these years, and now you're our shepherd. Like, I guess like how? Just curious, like how did things look like for you back then compared to now? And like, I guess like you've seen the progression and maybe even like the back and forth of GOC uh, in terms of different extremes. Yeah. But like, yeah, what's what's different now, I guess? Yeah, it's oh. funny because some of it's a product of me just getting older. Like, you know, you hate to admit it, I'm just getting older. <laughs> so some of it's just my per- perception of how things change because hopefully, you know, the Lord's growing me in maturity and in my love for others and how I see things. So there's seasons of life where I think, oh man, dating culture at GOC is... X, Y, or Z. Non-existent, or, according to ATD. Apparently, <laughs> apparently. I, as soon as he said that, I thought of, you know, the, I thought of like five different couples. I was like, they're dating for sure. That's not that's non-existent. True, true. And there's more than five, that's for sure. I just uh-huh. thought of, yeah. you know, in my, def- in, in a sort of defensive spirit of being your shepherd, I. Oh, we I appreciate of, that. Yeah, no, yes. 
But, but the, y'all can get going too, you know? There's some people where it's non-existent. John Wayne? Right, <laughs> no, Matt, come oh, on. No. Who's next? Who's next? No, but, you know, those sorts of things, it's easy to think as you're a staffer, like, getting older, like, it's easy to see, you know, imperfections or inconsistencies or weaknesses or also opportunities for growth or strengths mm-hmm. or things that have changed for the better. There's a lot of things that have sort of systemically or culturally like changed for the better in GOC. So I think, for example, one of them is that we grew up in as a ministry under Chris G was our evangelism as a ministry. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously mm-hmm. before, I don't think that was a weakness, but the way that he helped Grace on Campus understand that as a culture and sort of build that into the fabric of our ministry through the classes that we offer or the opportunities that we give throughout the week to evangelize. Um, I think God used, especially a few of those years under Chris, to really develop that ministry as a whole in evangelism. I think another one is our love and our care for each other. I think in my time as a student, we were known as, and maybe a little before my time and, and during my time, it sounds drastic and it is, we were known literally as the Pharisees on campus. Like out of the out of the student ministries, like we were the ones who knew God's word well, but we knew that we knew God's word well. You know, and whether that's true or not, I mean, obviously we all grow in our knowledge of God's word, but there's one thing to be puffed up by knowledge, right? And then another to be changed and, and transformed by the renewing of your mind by God's word. So we were known as the ones who, you know, knew God's word well. And I, I don't at all think that that's a product of just, you know, sitting under J-Max teaching. It is. But it is a lot of just your own study of God's word and how you respond in either being puffed up or in worship Mm. in response to the knowledge. So I think what I'm saying is I think our ministry has done much a much better job in encouraging students to respond in in worship and in obedience and in love. And so I've been encouraged by that as well as as another change Um, that I think just just as a culture or as a as a system GOC has been has grown um, a lot because of the the men and women who have served in our ministry over the years so everything else you know dating culture um you know meetup culture if you can call it that um you know the the types of trends that come and go those things cycle you know so there's always times where where there's quote-unquote not enough people dating and then there's times where like you know, quote unquote, <laughs> people aren't like careful enough. And you know what I mean? It ebbs and, those things have been flow and that's just life and college ministry. Mm. But I think there's other things that the Lord has used, especially our shepherds, but uh, also just every faithful person who serves in our ministry to sort of build up and develop a culture that continues forward and continues to grow and mature. Mm-hmm. So even as the people change and, and cycle through and graduate, so... It's encouraging to to see to see that growth. I think it's uh, it's growth that is because GOC is just one part of our church, and so it's a part of the body of Christ showing growth. I think it's what it is um, in in correlation to and in parallel to the other parts of our church growing as well. Yeah, I think. Uh... <laughs> Man, I think we could just spend like you know a whole you know whole podcast just just talking just getting to know you. Um, kind of switching gears a little bit. Um, we also 
know that uh, you're family, man. You, uh, you're married um, and, and have uh, three kids, is that right? Yeah, yeah. three little um, boys, yeah. Yeah, and just like, as a, as a fun question, how did uh, you and your wife, Kimmy, first meet and how did, how did things get started there? Yeah, it's yeah. a long story, but uh, the, the short of it is we actually knew each other in high school. We were acquaintances in high school. Uh, sort of similar circle of friends, but but different. Um, and and we both got into UCLA. Coming to UCLA, there were a few of us from our high school um, that were believers. So we checked out churches and fellowships together, kind of in the same circle of friends. And um, yeah, we both ended up at, at Grace Church. So people kind of tease us. They're like, hey, like you guys knew each other in high school. Like you guys must have liked each other. Uh, she would very much say no, and not in a mean way, but just she thought it was obnoxious, and I, and I was in high school. Oh. <laughs> it hurts. Oh. It just hurts. <laughs> but uh, then, then when it hurts, I think about the fact that we're married now, and I'm just mm. thankful to God. So mm. <laughs> <laughs> it relieves all yeah. her. Yes. Um, so we spent the few, first few years at UCLA in, in GOC. We had a few GE classes together. We, we just, you know, were in the same group of friends, obviously, at that point, just in our class at GOC. Um, so we'd serve together here and there, obviously just got to know each other better, became good friends. So from acquaintances in high school to, you know, good friends by, by second year. Um, and so I decided to give it a shot third year. Um, so junior year, we dated for about uh, eight, a little bit, eight months. Uh, and uh, if the story ended there, that would be, that'd be awesome. Praise God. But uh, in my, ignorance and in my arrogance I I broke up with her and that's part of the whole humility lesson I think I was telling you about earlier is is just uh, a, a point in my life that God used obviously in his providence now looking back as someone who's married to the girl that I broke up with um, and he used that that trial in her life as well to grow her and uh, so we spent some time apart and then a few years down the road, I decided kind of out of nowhere, honestly, um, at least from her point of view, and then from my point of view, it was working through a lot of things that God was teaching me. I decided to sort of initiate friendship again, and she was gracious yeah. enough to say, uh, okay, are you sure? And then, sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, the rest is history. I mean, you know, obviously engagement, Marriage. We've been married now for almost seven years, and we have three awesome little boys. So, um, just grateful. It's you know, it's a. It, that's long story short, and we're just thankful that the Lord brought us through by His, by His sovereignty. So, yeah. So we've been here fourteen years at Grace, and that's um, all the times for me at least has been spent in GOC. Um, there's a student or serving uh, on staff. And uh, Kimmy, she spent one year when we, were, when we were not together. She spent that one year in a different ministry in our church. So, um, But other than that, we've, just, we've been at GOC, and we, uh, we love it. We love that we're still here. So, It begins through the G's, everyone, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. <laughs> yes. Just putting it out there. <laughs> For sure. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's so cool to hear, like, God's providence in you and Kimmy's life. Yeah, and just absolutely. How he's brought you two through everything, and Amen. especially with your three boys. Um, but then now, like, how's it been, like, balancing all these different responsibilities and roles? Because you're a father, 
you're also a husband and you're also a pastor and a shepherd. So like, yeah, what does it look like for you like throughout your day? And um, what do you what do you think about, you know, yeah, just that the aspect of balance? Yeah, it's a lot. I, th- I feel like there balance is a fair concept to, to use. I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like destroy it. Um, I think it's helpful for a lot of people. We can pop off on him, man. Yeah, no, I just, I, for, for me, I, I just, and I say this like as carefully as possible, mm-hmm. I just don't think of most of life as balance. Mm-hmm. I think just the, and I don't want to be dramatic either, right? But I think the way that the Lord has designed life, the way that the Lord has, the Lord continues to put things in our lives, people, trials even, uh, a pandemic for all that matters, uh, life usually isn't about balancing a few or maybe too many things for some of us. I think it's more about, at least this is my perspective, it's more about emphasizing and focusing on the priorities that he's called you to. So Mm -hmm. if that priority for me is to be, you know, at least in the household first and foremost, as a husband, that needs to be my priority. If it's also to be a father, which it is, that also needs to be a priority. Now, am I balancing those two things? I mean, kind of, maybe by the number of hours that I spend on each thing, but no, in a lot of sense, no. When we're at the dinner table, that is both being a husband and a father, Mm. (laughs) at least Lord willing, (laughs) in terms of how I'm leading conversation or even leading my family in prayer or being grateful to the Lord for, for food. You know, that, that's just one example. So balance, I think some people can be so balanced in what they do and that's fine, but they're so balanced that they're going to like fall out of the chair being balanced on their chair. You know, like it's just mm. like it's balanced to the detriment of actual like real life where sometimes mm. it's not balanced. A, a major trial can come in your life and you shouldn't try to be balanced when something like that comes in your life. I think of a friend who, you know, whose little girl, I have two friends actually, whose little girls uh, had major health trials in this past couple of years. Life is not balanced for those guys, but they're not being unfaithful. In fact, so when I think of success in life and, and when you have a bunch of things going on, Success isn't going to be perfect balance or being able to juggle all the things or spin all the plates right. It's going to be handling your priorities in a way that is faithful to what God has called you. So, again, I don't want to, like, shame the balancers, you know, mm-hmm. the, the tightrope walkers of life. But there's a sense in which I try to understand those things more as what has God called me to in life, but also maybe in specific seasons. Mm-hmm. And then how can I really run to run toward press on toward being faithful with those priorities and then sort of all the rest of life sort of fills in Mm -hmm. after those priorities are are being faithfully taken care of day by day so um so that's how i think of it and i just just think it's helpful especially because we're in a ministry where people are just so busy that a lot of times the conversation is about balance but a lot of it should be about what has God called you to in this season or in maybe these four years? Uh, be faithful with those things. And then you can enjoy life and have fun and, and hang with people. 
Um, you don't need to balance those things. Just fill that in after the priorities that he's he's given you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's that's preach, dude. Yeah, yeah dude, this guy's preaching. <laughs> but yeah, I think I mean at least for me, just thinking about balancing. I think just I think I have a tendency when I think about balance, just like the tendency to like compartmentalize things in the mm, Christian life. It's absolutely. like, oh, you got like yep. all balancey things. You're like, oh, this is in one box. This yeah, is one box. This is another sure. box that I need to manage. Absolutely. But then I think reality, like, you know, scripturally, it's everything is almost like all in all, right? It's like yeah. a priority that God has called us to. So, 100%. Um, That's so good. Yeah, dude. Super good stuff. Um, well, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been great getting to know you. Uh, and I think it's good to just get to know the guests that we have on our podcast because, yeah, we're not only here to talk about um, the issues that we want to talk about, but also just to get to know people. And I think that's just an um, awesome part that we can have biblically-based um, dialogue. But, yeah, it's also dialogue, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, so now we just want to transition a little bit to yeah, the main topic of this episode. So we're going to be talking about um, worldview, um, more specifically the, the biblical worldview. And, yeah, I think me and John were just thinking of um, just the importance of what it means to have a uh, biblical worldview in terms of like, what does it mean to like bridge the connection between sound doctrine and sound living? Right. So we look at scripture and even look at books like Ephesians, where it's, you know, the first three chapters is all doctrine and um, salvation and and very rich theologically. And then we look at the last three chapters, which are a lot of instructions. And, and so uh, in terms of worldview, you know, what, what does it mean to kind of connect those things to live out the Christian life um, and yeah, even in Titus too, uh, you've been preaching through on Friday nights for GOC. Um, I think about, you know, what it means to be sensible. You've been, um, mm-hmm. focusing on that word because it does talk about, use that word sensible, NAS, or I think ESV is um, self-controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you've said that's really means, uh, applying the gospel, living out the gospel character in every aspect of our lives and adoring the doctrine of Christ. Um, and so, yeah, I guess, I guess to start out, um, with like a very broad, um, question, but like, what, what would you say, um, yeah, what is a biblical worldview and like, what, like, you know, why, why, why have a biblical worldview? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good question because I think you're right. It, a biblical worldview should bridge the gap between sound doctrine and sound living. Sound doctrine being a set of, of, truths right that we believe and we believe them because they're in god's word and then sound living would be in some form being a picture of the gospel in how we live Mm. um and somewhere in between though right you're not doing that mindlessly Mm -hmm. right you're not just saying oh i believe this so that must make me live this way well it, it does sometimes in passages like titus 2 makes a very direct connection but I think the implication there, and I think this is what you're getting at too, is that there has to be some level of quantifying those things that we believe and saying, therefore, this is how I view the world. Mm. This is how I see how life works. This is what reality is. This is what objective truth is. This is what meaning is even. This is how the world works or should work or how the the way that God wants the world to work um, from a redeemed perspective. So um, Al Mohler gives like a really helpful, clear definition. He says, a biblical worldview is a basic set of convictions about reality, truth, meaning, and how the world works. Um, He says, a biblical worldview is distinctively Christian in its shape, substance, and structure. 
So, I mean, I don't think you can talk about biblical worldview without talking about Al Mohler and how dude, helpful I think he is to dude. all of us, right? <laughs> um, our own pastor, Pastor John, also has a lot of good resources on a biblical worldview. Um, sometimes not just with that term. I think he he'll he'll have blogs or um, sermons that'll come out that are really that, but maybe aren't said from that perspective. And so you can find so much from men like that. Um, I think just as helpfully as hearing it, you know, from somewhere like here, <laughs> mm-hmm. in a sense. Um, and there are, to, so you're aware too, there are like different um, takes on what a Christian worldview or a biblical worldview um, is in the sense of how it should be framed. I think some people understand it to be, okay, it should begin and end with the glory of God, for example. So mm. another might say uh, it should be viewed completely through whatever God's word says. Now, are those two versions of what a biblical worldview opposed to each other? No, absolutely not. They're just sort of framed in a different way. So mm-hmm. um, I think we would do well to just understand that sometimes we're talking on slightly different terms, but to understand that we are trying to work toward the same thing, that is to view all of life through the lens of redemptive history, through a gospel lens, through a, a biblical lens, a Bible-based lens. So um, I think of your guys' verse, I think of Romans 12, 2, actually. Jeez. Right? Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Mm. Now, there is, a, there is a transformation, a renewal of your mind that happens at salvation. Absolutely. We get the mind of Christ. But there's also an ongoing uh, exercise, a, a continual renewing of your mind, a continually being transformed from one image of glory to the next, so in this life. So uh, in a sense, a, a developing a biblical worldview is a lifelong project, if you could say it that way. Mm. Um, and it, it's seeded in confidence in God's word, right? Because everything we believe uh, about the Christian faith comes from the fact that we believe the Bible is God's word, right? So I think of 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Good verse. Uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So I think of those verses and I think of the fact that, yes, those are more directly and immediately about how the man of God can be equipped to live, right? Like just live a godly life or to know the gospel and to know God through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and to live. But it's also in how to think and how to process and how to respond and react to uh, current events or to trials or to whatever this life may bring. So, um, So in a sense, a biblical worldview is that set of convictions that we can construct to help us do that well. Yeah, yeah. And like something that we did talk about a little bit before recording is mm-hmm. like how GOC, one of the reasons that a Grace Evening has GOC is for college students to construct that worldview. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I guess like, yeah, we are in a, a, a very interesting position because um, we go to class like in those GEs, like yeah. liberal arts mm-hmm. and um, hearing from these professors who've written their books on sociology and their own worldview, right? Like their own understanding of the world. And we are kind of like in the midst of it, all of that. And universities are like pushing, um, I guess, yeah, like their researched, you know, hardcore empiricism. Yeah. You know, this is our yeah. research on the human heart and the human mind. But um, I guess knowing that though, like what, what are some like, I guess, pastoral remarks or like any, any things to look out for? Um, maybe pitfalls, dangers, or just, you know, things to check um, as we are taking these classes, interacting with, you know, our peers, going on social media and like just seeing how worldview issues are like all everywhere, um, but especially as Christians, like, yeah, could you like, yeah, just like speak on that? Yeah, totally. I, the, our, your college years are so formative in this area. Um, I mean, we were saying earlier that this is why, in, in a large part, why we do college ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do college ministry because, one, we want to preach the gospel on college campuses. That's first and foremost. We want people to know Jesus. But when people know Jesus, either they already do or we preach the gospel and then they do, once we, once we have people who know Jesus, we want them to begin to look at life from a biblical worldview, from a, a worldview in which the Bible is the only lens, and in some cases, the primary lens through which we see all of life. So these years are perhaps some of the most formative years in your life for this, because you have the time to dedicate to thinking through these things. You're sort of at a peak of uh, the ability to use your mind in that way. And I think behind the facade of either uh, being an athlete or serving in some kind of way or being a chef of some kind or having all these friends, most people in their college years, they've come to college because they have a learning posture in these years. They want to come to a place for four years or two years or five to learn something, usually about their major primarily, right? But also just about life and about the world. So you ought to take advantage of that posture in your life to at least begin to develop a, a worldview. And for us as Christians, it's a biblical worldview. Um, and so that, that's really, if you kind of, you know, take a look behind the curtain, that's a big part of what, why we do college ministry. College students are adults by every, you know, way of that kind of definition of what an adult is. So why would we have a group that's separate and even meeting on campus that is a part of our church? Uh, if they could, if we could all just be part of adult ministries, it's because of strategic things like preaching the gospel, but mm-hmm. also developing uh, a biblical worldview, developing convictions as young people. So in a large part, that's why we do college ministry. Now, in that same environment, I think what you alluded to is there are dangers. Um, I think one of the things, one of the pitfalls of college ministry is that it is such a hostile environment. Uh, A university like UCLA is secular through and through. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, its worldview is, in a lot of ways, diametrically opposed to the Christian worldview. Yeah. So is that to say, don't go to UCLA? No, absolutely not. It means that it's a mission field, one. But two, also, it means it's a forum in which to present the Christian worldview and even sure. to to use it to challenge uh, other worldviews in the opportunities that you get. Now, to do that appropriately, appropriately and and well and in a relational way, obviously, is is important. Um, but that is one of the the dangers too. Is that our students are just immersed in secular worldviews in their classes and. Uh, the Christian worldview can be challenged in a very direct way sometimes. So uh, to just guard your mind as you go through your studies, uh, especially depending on your major, but to just be constantly setting your mind on the things of Christ um, is important. I think the other thing is that college is college. So there will be times where there is temptation. There is lots of opportunity for the flesh in a college environment. So um, I think that's the other danger is, and Austin talked about this a couple of weeks ago in a, in a Q&A, that whenever you see someone sort of slip on their biblical worldview, they start to mm-hmm. deconstruct, I think is the term we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, it a lot of times, or he, he said almost always, comes with some sort of reason behind it some sort of either moral failure or desire for something that the biblical worldview will not allow morally. And so I think that's the other thing for believers to watch out for in this kind of environment is the temptation is strong in some areas um, for the flesh. So um, those are just some, some, some thoughts about, you know, biblical worldview in the college years and also just some, some of the dangers and pitfalls that we can run into. Dude, yeah, that's really good. I just remind me of uh, even the series on on Sunday mornings where you know Jay Mac or Pastor MacArthur is, is preaching through um, on Schaefer children and like mm. I think Proverbs four twenty three in terms of like watch over your heart with all diligence for from it flows the springs of life mm-hmm. and especially as a North Campus or political science major yeah. at UCLA I'm I kind of experience I, I think poli sci is a little bit. Um, quote-unquote safer than than some other um, majors but um, even my own personal experience I'm just seeing that need um, to to develop a biblical worldview to um, to to stand strong against um, like you said that Matt the diametrically opposed worldview the secular worldview uh, of UCLA and at the same time not to say that um, it's it's all bad in a sense. It's like right. um, exactly. it's not something that we should just like oh run away from like okay like monastic you know go to a, go to a monk or like you know go to like some high tower or something like that right yeah but yeah I think if we come in with a strong foundation we can even like use um, opposing worldviews to you know sharpen ourselves Absolutely. and and to equip ourselves and um, because like really God God is sovereign and so he uses things to to test us and purify mm-hmm. our faith and um, so yeah I, I think that's really cool. Um, as a follow-up question, like, I guess really practically, um, you know, what are some things that you can, you would say that, like, we can ask college students or, you know, any, any college uh, Christian students to, to start developing or, or strengthening their own convictions or developing a biblical worldview? Mm. The first thing is obvious. It's read your Bible. So if the Christian worldview is to be based on Scripture, the inspired, breathed-out Word of God, 
You've got to read it. Um, now, I would say you need to read it devotionally first. Like, you need to read it for your soul. You need to read it to commune with God on a daily basis. You need it to, to read it to, for the purpose of loving Jesus more. That, that's the first mm. sort of way that you need to read your Bible. But I think there's another way to read your Bible, to read it systematically or categorically, to read it to develop a way of thinking, um, sort of on a more study level. Um, and I think that's what our small group leaders in our ministry and our, and our staff people, for that matter, as well, do so well. That's why we have those students lead groups is they look at scripture from a lens of developing a, a way of thinking and then how to teach that to others. Yeah. Shout out to my small group leader, Justin Yu. Yeah. Amen. Shout out to Aaron Phillip. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Love it. Small group yeah. tonight. Be there. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so I, that's the first thing I'd say is just read your Bible um, and read it with people. Discuss it with people. You know, read it in community, you know, small group, like even what we're just saying. So that would be the first thing is, is read your Bible. Um, I think another thing is just read good books. There are so many good books in this arena of worldview um, from a Christian perspective. Um, one I've been working through slowly, very slowly, is a Carl Truman book, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern oh, Self. I've heard of yes. that, yeah. Um, and it is an incredible look at... Uh, the sexual revolution and mm. the history of really more so actually the idea of self in modernity. So, mm. I mean, that even is, you know, floors, you got to take an elevator to get to where he is from where we are in terms of just intellect, <laughs> yeah. but it's just so helpful to just start to form our thinking based on um, the Bible as the primary source but looking at history as well, right, as history. another source that would help us to understand what reality is and how we can think through it as Christians. Um, we're so shaped by what we consume. So whether it's media, social media, books, uh, in this season, GSEers, college students can make sure that there is, that you are being careful about what you're taking in. You only have so much time to... Mm -hmm to take stuff in, in your day, take info in. And so is that frivolous or is that weighty and helpful or is it too much of either to the point where it's unbalanced? I don't know. You need to ask yourself that question, but I think we could all use a little bit more of resources that would help us develop a worldview. I also think of like just staying up with the news, you know, staying, staying current and just knowing what's going on in the world, I think is another thing. So you could have the perfect biblical worldview in principle. But if you do not know what is happening in God's world and you do not know how to then respond to what is happening or think about, think through what is happening then it's not really actually a worldview at that point. It's just sort of a construct, right? So you need to sort of keep up and, and stay up with the news in order to sort of um, be not just current, but be current in how a Christian can apply a worldview um, based on Scripture. Podcasts are always helpful. Um, 
you know, the, this yes, one. Sir. Shout out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's so many good ones. One of my favorite is, uh, it's called Life and Books and Everything. Uh, it's Kevin DeYoung and, oh, Kevin DeYoung. and the bros. Um, uh, and then a Colin Hansen podcast uh, called Gospel Bound is another awesome one. Um, but honestly, like if, if even you're listening to, you know, Washington Post or New York Times kind of stuff, like mm-hmm. all of those things are helpful because I think it's what you said earlier, uh, John, I, th- I think it was you. It helps us to stay grounded too, in a sense, like we need to be not just experts on the Christian worldview. We need to be able to know and, and challenge and, and sort of be grounded in what others are thinking too, Christian and non-Christian. So um, there's a whole host of things that are helpful. And I think the more that we're exposed to things that are dialoguing on that level, it's going gonna, it's gonna to help us as Christians to develop our worldview as well. And then I think the, the last thing I'd say on this, I think is maybe the most important, is that this cannot be an intellectual exercise only. It has to be a prayerful, dependent perspective that is fully the Spirit's work in our lives. Like, we have to believe that. We have to know that. We have to let that literally actually play itself out in the way that we develop this worldview and then in the way that we live it out as well. So uh, so I think what I'd say is like, yeah, read your Bible, read good books, stay up with the news, listen to podcasts, but literally you should be praying toward God's work in your life in this sort of area. Because when in 10 years you're in the workplace and you're married with kids, but you don't know how to think about the world, or maybe you think about the world perfectly, but the spirit is not working in your life toward maturity in Christ and toward community and in, in, in love, community in the church and in love toward others. It's, it's all for naught. It's all for nothing. So mm-hmm. that dependence, that prayerfulness toward the spirit's work in, in this sort of level of thinking or bridging of gaps, mm-hmm. it needs to be the spirit's work. And, and so I'd really just emphasize that as sort of the last thing. Mm-hmm. If I could just circle back to the first point really yeah, quick. Yeah. Um, just like in my own life, even in like Paul Washer at the men's conference, sharing how there were seasons of life where reading was a fight. And for me too, like I sometimes wake up in the morning and it's like, oh, I don't want to really do devos today. I just want to just get my work done. Or even talking to friends who felt the same way. Like, you know, what are what are some things that we can think about when you know, when that's not our desire to be devoted to read, even though we know it's something that we should do. But um, yeah, like in that moment, like that's just, it, it it just doesn't come naturally to us. But yeah, what would you question. say to people like that and who've experienced those things? Yeah, totally. I think one thing I would say is even one verse is better than none. Uh, it's something that my college pastor used to always say. Um, when you struggle... You don't struggle to the point where you can't literally just think of or something you memorized or pick up your Bible or open your app and just look at one verse. We're never too busy even just for that. So I think that's one thing is just is just discipline your mind and just get over the hump and even just get your mind on truth, even sort of mm-hmm. in a brief way mm-hmm. um, on, on the busiest of days. So that's one thing. I think another thing is to know that that struggle 
So even the desire to want to be better about that is evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. Yeah, amen. So to never think that, oh, because I haven't kept up with my Bible reading plan. I'm behind in my Bible reading plan right now, by the way. Like, like literally, I am. Me too. <laughs> and <laughs> to think that that should that automatically means, oh, you're dry, you're spiritually dry time, or uh-huh. you must not be doing well or, or whatnot. No, for, okay, for you to be okay with that, like for long stretches of time, okay, maybe that's a problem. But other than that, to know that your desire to catch up or your desire to just even be in God's word, maybe not at the rate of your plan, but to be in God's word in some form, that's a, that's an evidence of the Spirit's work in your life. So you, you, got, you ought to just pray yourself into mm. desire and trust that Amen. God's working and that not every day is going to look the same um, or the way that you think it should. But uh, but God is, be confident that God's working um, if you know he truly is. And so, um, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, that's something that in these years, it's it's going to be something that you develop good or bad habits in though too. So, mm-hmm. so know that that's your set in trajectory for the rest of your life here on, on uh, reading God's word. Mm. Yeah, dude, that was a good point about prayer too and like the spirit's work because i think yeah like i think at least for me since i i tend towards like the intellectual kind of just enjoyment or just like oh you know like things being big brain for the sake of being big brain and kind of just like (laughs) enjoying that stuff but i think always like kind of confronting the the heart aspect and i think like yeah even going back again to to john MacArthur's um series on children which the the fact that it's about children is not really while we're talking like applicable to this podcast he says he says so many like really good stuff like in general and like one of the things he said is just like i think it was like talking about the heart and the mind and mm-hmm. how they're really the same thing yeah so it's not like this division of just like you know oh, i need to like oh think about biblical review okay let's just like get into books and just kind of like oh it's like intellectual but it's it's right. still uh uh like a matter of the heart and a matter of the spirit to work um yeah, there and so, but yeah okay so um yeah that was a lot of good stuff um since we're kind of nearing the end of our podcast um just yeah one final question um to, to to kind of leave our listeners with um something like a something they can take away is like yeah what would you say is like one um exhortation that you would like to um just encourage us encourage GOC with um i would say especially in this season um love one another uh, and what i mean by especially in this season i mean as we you know, return from being apart COVID wise as we go home at the end of this quarter and see family and then come back. This season is a lot of just getting used to the normal again. You're going to be back on campus. Um, There's going to be a lot of opportunities to start to actually interact in person with people, Uh, love people around you. And specifically, especially in the Christian community, at GOC or at Grace Church, like love one another. There's going to be differences in opinion. There's going to be different approaches to how we do this. It's going to be opinions about everything. But if we can prioritize what Jesus said, we need to prioritize that people will know if we're his disciples, if we love one another. So if we emphasize that and prioritize that in our hearts as we transition from college for some of the people listening or to go home for the summer for a couple months and live with our parents or uh, maybe to be here and just sort of start going actually back in person to things. There's going to be a lot of temptations to not be at peace with one another. 
but we need to, so far as it depends on us, be at peace with all men. I think of um, a little after that passage, Romans 13, owe no one anything except to love each other. Mm. And so I think that's a helpful reminder that we just need to be devoted to love for one another, um, especially in, in seasons where we're tempted to emphasize differences or um, unique opinions or individuality in terms of what we all are trying to do um, as we return. But I think it's just so important to be united in love for each other. Yeah, it's really good encouragement. Yeah, it's just like so helpful to hear that right now. Um, yeah, so thanks again, Matt, for being on our podcast yes. and just thanks for having me. Sharing think, uh, your life I think with kind us. Of peaked right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best is yet to come. Uh, yeah, hey, 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 hey. Hey, man. Um, but yeah, just like great stuff on the biblical worldview and just that last exhortation. I love that to just love each other and how like the biblical worldview. Uh, at the end of the day, it should it should if it's not if it's not growing us in our love for one another, mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. it's really you know in vain. And so yeah, I just want to hopefully that's encouragement to you guys. Want to yeah encourage you um, to 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 live out the word, to live biblically, um, read your Bibles, you know, read read books, um, listen listen to podcasts, <laughs> and yeah, um, yeah, and and most of all is just you know. Go on your knees and, and pray and, and and just read the word and, and and let that simplicity just kind of soak through. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for this episode. Um, we will be having another one coming out um, next month, um, in the month of July. And so yeah, I get excited for that. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. And um, this is Paracaleo, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>